So since you've been painting with bright colours, have you not noticed any knock-on effect with other colour that you're drawn to for other things? Have you not felt like, oh, I could be braver with what clothes I choose to wear or... No, although I haven't bought any new clothes for so long because I cover them all with paint. (laughs) Hi and welcome to episode 25 of Art Juice. This is behind the scenes conversations about art and the creative life with me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. And today we're going to dive into the topic of colour. This is based on a listener question. Thank you for all the lovely questions you keep sending us. Um, and uh, this seemed like a good topic to cover in more depth than just a quick segment. So we're going to talk about colour, how we use it, how we feel about it, how we mix it. We don't actually know what we're going to talk about yet until we get into it, but we shall find out. And it might be a little bit tricky talking about colour where you can't actually see anything. Yes. So we're going to say things like, look at this beautiful maroon colour that I've just mixed. (laughs) But before we get into that meaty subject, what have you been up to this week, Alice? Well, first of all, I've got to give you news on my is he isn't he a scam buyer from last week. Do you remember? Yes. So I had a I sent this picture off, heart in my mouth, as I said, and I had a photograph of it already hanging on the wall sent to me. So it arrived okay, few. Um, and he got it up on the wall quickly. Good. He's not sending it back. And he said, please, can you, please, can you call me? So, um, we had a conversation, uh, last week after we recorded. And in that, I said to him, you know, how did you, how did you find me? Because that's always interesting. You know, we put out all these things, we do all these things. And when somebody comes, as I say, out of the blue, you never quite know what's led to it. So the story is he found me via John Lewis website oh Oh, right so for those of you in the states john lewis is a department store in the uk um and they recently have got some of my paintings that um they produce as prints and to be honest you really don't get very much money for them but i thought why not let's try this this is an experiment let's see what happens um i don't know i haven't had my first quarterly account yet so i don't know how sensible financial idea that is but clearly in this sense it has paid off already the story was he said to me i am not a buyer i i don't buy art i don't like going into galleries i've never bought art so i thought that john lewis would be a really easy place for me to go and just choose something to get it on the wall and he said your pieces stood out I really enjoyed them. I found your website. I chose the two that I wanted. I felt slightly sick because they were quite expensive and I've never bought art before. And then I showed them to my sisters who know more about these things and said, is this too much money to spend on the painting? And what do you think? And good for the sisters. The sisters said, (laughs) no, it's not too much, especially for a good painting. And that's a good painting. Buy it. So he did. Uh, I like his sisters. They sound good. (laughs) Yeah. So the point of telling you that really is that As artists, we do all sorts of things that we don't know what the return is going to be. And we never know when the feedback of that is going to come back into us. But 
it's important to do all of these things and to understand perhaps what the journey is going to be from a buyer's point of view when they discover you. So whether they discover you on Facebook or at an event or Instagram and then they Google you, what do they see when they land on your website? How can they get in touch with you? Have you got a contact form? Is what they see on your website going to be reassuring? All of those things, and this is why I always say it takes time to do this. You can't always get it set up like super quickly and with immediate. There isn't a funnel in that sense in marketing terms, but you need to lead them along the way. And when it happens like this and when you get something happening as a result, you think, oh, I've done my job. That's nice. Yes. <laughs> well, congratulations. I'm glad he wasn't a scammer. I don't yeah. think it was from the beginning. It didn't sound like a scammer. No, I didn't. But it's uh, it's still interesting, isn't it, to see what the breadcrumb trail is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's the most exciting thing that's happened in my week. And how's yours been? Mine's been a bit bitty. And uh, I was just thinking, what am I going to say I've been working on? Because I've been... Um, I've been letting myself get pulled in a lot of different directions this week. Um, partly we're having some work done on the house, which is quite disruptive. Um, but also, and I was finishing up a commission, that commission painting that I told everybody about. Oh, the yeah. guy, he's coming to see it tomorrow. So I was varnishing and getting it tidied up. Um, and messing about painting some pieces that aren't going anywhere and trying to get myself organized with my course. And I felt like I wasn't really committing to any of them. Mm. It, I, was, I was flitting and I have a tendency to do this sometimes. So I had to kind of sit myself down yesterday and work through a plan of what I was going to focus on. And I'm focusing for the next few days on my setting up my find your joy course, because, um, I am using Kajabi as, which is for anyone who doesn't know it, a software that you use for courses. And Alice has guilted me into using it, but, um, I'm compromising by hiring somebody to set it all up for me. And I found a wonderful person. And so, but of course, with these things, you think, oh, I found someone to set up the technical side of it. Good. I can focus on the marketing. But that's not actually how it works because, mm-hmm. of course, they need you to give them all of the stuff and they need you to provide, answer questions. And there was a big, long form to fill out. Um, so there is always work in delegating if you want it to be done properly. But anyway, I feel good that that's I've, I've picked someone, I've sent them what they need to get started. She starts on Monday working on it then. Um, and that includes everything from setting up the sales page and integrating PayPal and doing all of the boring stuff that I don't want to do. So I then laid out a marketing calendar for the next five weeks of Ooh. what I'm going to do. It's not, I haven't filled in all the days yet, but I've started to map out when this starts, when that starts, when I need to get my ads going and all of that. So it's quite exciting in that sense. It is a lot to get your head around though. That, and that's what puts me off delegating because I know, I know that in order to delegate anything to somebody, you've got to get clear on it first. And I know that that's always my <laughs> hold up. So it doesn't really matter if I'm going to do it or somebody else has done it. And actually by the time I've got clear on, I need to do steps one, two, and three, I find it's just as easy to get on and do them myself. But yeah, I think for me, because I'd done this course once before, 
it's less of that situation. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, but I've written all the copy. I've got all the content. It's kind yeah. of, it's all pretty much there. They're just some bits they're going to need me to provide. But because I do know exactly what I need, it's a little bit easier than if I was starting from scratch and having to figure out what I needed on the way. And also, once she's put it all into place in the right order, then you can go back in and edit and make Exactly, and- exactly. And I'll be involved all the way through. And they did offer a very tempting, I liked the sound of this, you could spend a day working with her. You would start at eight in the morning and you would finish at like seven at night. And after the at the end of the day, you would have everything done. You would have wow. a sales page set up, all your content in, mail, emails written, everything but I just thought it was expensive. That was a that was a big investment. And to me it was a little bit too much. So yeah. I went with this where she has some uh virtual assistants and they do it for you with your input, but you're not getting it all done and you're not involved in learning how to do it yourself. But I can figure that out when I see how it's set up. So that's what I've that's what I'm trying to work on this week. I'm trying to shoehorn myself back into being organised. Also, something else this week that I just want to do as a public service announcement quickly is uh, we hung some work in the coffee shop at the end of our road, which was a bit of a throwback to me because I haven't done that for a long time. But we had one piece each, the people who took part in our local area open studios. And um, the lady who organised that said, how about just have a few pieces hanging up for the rest of the month, which was a little bit tricky to me because I've had six pieces accepted for or at the pre-stage selection for the Society of Women Artists. So I know they've got to be available for that, but I thought, well, anyway, I'll hang them up for the rest of the month while I've got them. But um, while they were there and while we were hanging together, she said, oh, I did something you told me to do, which was a couple who came to Open Studios. I actually got in touch with one of the people afterwards and said, you were really interested in this painting would you like to see it? And took it round to her house and she bought it. And I said, yeah, that's what happens when you follow up. And she said, oh, I don't know. I don't, do you do that then? And I said, yeah, I do. Cause it yeah. works. And yeah. she couldn't believe it. So, um, yeah, anybody who's still out there sitting on the fence, that is the easiest way. If anybody's shown an interest, do a little bit of follow up. And I've got that next week. I'm taking a painting around to somebody's house to test in situ. So there you go. This is that's just a little a little boost if you've been feeling a bit, mm, should I do this? Yeah, you should do it. On to our main topic, uh, which this week is colour. So we received this question from Jane's Artscapes on Instagram. Thank you, Jane. She said, I was hoping you could talk about colour mixing as opposed to buying already mixed colours. She's wanting to invest in some new paints and she's thinking about just getting the primaries. Um, but then she's just also wondering about whether how many colours she can mix. And she says, I'd just really like to hear your opinion on different paints and colour mixing, etc. So it's quite a broad question, really. But we thought that it might be an interesting topic to talk about since we but bo- I think we both have a big love of colour. Um, and it, it, I would say, actually, it's my primary interest in, yeah. in my work. 
Yeah, and me it's too, probably. Be- becoming more and more. The more I understand about it, the more I am fascinated by what you can do with it. Um, and so, yeah, so we if it's if it's our favourite topic, what do we want to say about it? I think what I most love about colour and what I didn't understand for a very long time is how, and this isn't about colour mixing, but just colour in general, is how relative everything is. Yeah. So we're having this these window frames painted at the moment outside on our house and I got this very light grey colour to paint them. It's been painted over white primer and it's striking how dark it looks when you put it over the white primer. It's not dark. Once the white primer is covered, it's still a light gray, but it's contrasted with that very brilliant white. It is quite a dark color. And I, I love that within paint, within my paintings, playing with the, re- the relativity of that. And so how something can look one way until you put something else next to it and then it completely changes but I've never understood the science of any of that like if have you ever read color mixing books or I've read the uh Joseph Albert's interaction of color book but you're supposed to read the book and um I can't remember if he recommends that you buy the paper sheet you can tell I've never done it haven't you I think you're either supposed to buy colored paper because there's variation anyway within painted paper I think it's that way around but you're supposed to do all these exercises so that you deliberately make your own color swatches and you take you know a red and you put it within the green and then on white and vice versa and actually see how these color optical illusions happen and that teaches you about color I've never done that I've read the book (laughs) but I think you're right it it is all relative but I didn't open it Okay, so not opening it is, yeah, because so, it looks quite that, technical, doesn't it? Well, I did, yes, that's a lie. I opened it and I went and I flicked through it and I went, oh, it's when it's like every time I get a book on colour, I feel like, oh, it's just getting too nerdy for me. Yeah, and I think there is that danger within colour that we can feel like we've got to learn too much and know too much about it before we can do it. And so much of learning about colour happens when you paint yourself and you know how you respond and react to something. So if if I say to you, what are my favourite colours, what would you say? I would say greens and greys and blues, but generally on the cooler end of things. Um, I know you don't like purple because I heard you say that the other day. <laughs> I might have a surprise for you on that later. Oh, do you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say, I would say, I think of natural colors when I think of you. I think of yeah. organic colors. That's the word I would use. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And the same thing for you. If I think of your work at the moment, there's quite a lot of um, this kind of magenta, red, purple happening within it so instinctively I think this is the moment we all have natural colors that we are pulled towards that you know we just like and there isn't there doesn't have to be a science or a rhyme or reason to that and you don't have to stay fixed within it for ages this was one of my biggest 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 hang-ups when I when I first thought to myself I want to I want to be an artist 
And one of the things that I thought I had to do was work within a set color palette. And like, how am I going to choose what my color palette is going to be? And I, it just doesn't happen like that. You just, you paint the way you paint, you choose the colors that you choose and it kind of comes out looking like you. And I have to work really quite hard to deliberately disrupt that and to make myself have a change in practice of, of what I use out of the tube, what I use as my raw materials. So maybe that's a place to start. So when you start painting, do you, do you have a set system of the way that you lay your palette out? No. <laughs> Did you ever? No, no, I never had any kind. And and that was a big problem for me because I didn't have any of that formal knowledge of how to do it. And because I didn't know what I was doing, I was painting representationally. So I was doing greens and greys because I was painting the landscape here. Turns out they're not colours that I like working with, but Mm. I didn't know. I was just doing what I thought you had to do and trying Mm. my best to make it work and being miserable. But no, I've always had a palette that I bet would be, if I was in a class somewhere, probably get told off for how Mm -hmm. how appallingly organised it is. So one, one of the first things that I did was go, I went to an oil painting class at Chelsea um, School of Art and we worked in oils which was really practical because it was only once a week. Can you imagine carrying a wet oil painting on the London Underground? (laughs) It was a a weird thing to do. Um, But that was quite traditional teaching. So the palettes were all laid out with cool yellow, so like lemon yellow, warm cadmium yellow, um, cool red, warm red, you know, with everything in the same order. And it sort of makes sense with an oil palette because obviously they're not going to dry. So you can take them there. You can take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that and mix your color the way you want to. With acrylic, by the time you've done that, what I was finding before I started using stay wet palettes was almost by the time I'd finished laying out my palette, the first color I'd squeezed out was pretty much dry, right. let, let alone work with them all day. You know, that was just impossible to do. So the biggest step forward was using a stay wet palette to let me mix colors. And then what I gradually realized was that I wasn't using in any one session quite a lot of the colors that I'd squeezed out in advance. And I felt that squeezing out colours in advance started to become a little bit of a waste of paint. So I would only squeeze out what I felt like I needed to add to the palette in order to mix the colour that I held in my head. Yeah. And that was that was a big change. Um, but mainly all the colours that I use, I do mix myself as I go. I don't. Do I use any straight out of the tube? I do use some straight out of the tube. Every so often there's a colour that I fall in love with. And what I do is I I just throw an extra colour in. Every time I'm doing a paint order and I'm ordering my basics, I will just chuck an extra colour in of a, of a ready mixed colour because I know my habit. I know my colour mixing habit. And like I say, I like to do things that disrupt it. So when you have a colour that's immediate and it's coming out of the tube at you you know that you can just reach for that very easily and use it 
within your painting and you can mix it in with the others to harmonize them but that's been something that has been quite fun for making me push my boundaries a bit so I had a set a year ago 18 months ago where I quite liked this bright turquoise teal which you could mix quite happily Mm -hmm. um from things like phthalo blue and stuff like that which actually I don't use very often but the ability to have a color like that direct from the tube I found very helpful when I was trying to use a new color within my work yeah I think I do more direct I usually mix to some extent but it often might be just mixing that color with its complement or mixing it with some black or white um I do more straight out of the tube because I am moving more and more into layering very thin layers of paint mm-hmm. and at some of the colors. So I'm, I'm falling in love with quinacridone colors, any quinacridone color. I don't even care what it is. They're just so gorgeous. And so I'll often layer those um, straight out of the tube and they're not cheap. So, but luckily I'm using tiny, tiny bit to do a very, very light glaze. Um, but for everything else, I will mix them. But what I find is I'll be in a limited palette for a period of time. Yeah. And it's one that I generally choose quite intuitively. I don't even really know why I choose it. But then I'll be in that for quite a while. And if I get tempted to bring things in from outside of that, I can start drowning in color because I love it so much. So I'll keep to that restricted, limited palette. But just like you said, I will bring in one thing that's a real shock of difference and and yeah. have that in the painting as well. So I've been working a lot with these golds and magentas and um, violets. But then I have some very bright, some very light but desaturated blue in with those and it really just like makes them pop and uh, like a kind of duck eggy bright yeah yeah Yeah. light but but really kind of vibrant but not saturated it's hard to describe see we said it'd be hard to describe color when we're not uh when people can't see but it really just that's that's when that's what I love when you get you get that feeling oh, that, this is what that needs. You go mix that colour and you put it on and the whole thing just really comes alive. I love that. I love it when things have, have, have become muddy and then you kind of wake them up again. Yeah. With, with a flash of something that feels really fresh and clean on the top. And then you yeah. have to kind of go back and integrate it a little bit. But Yes, yeah. It, it builds, it builds. But I think that's important is to just be aware that some of it is intuitive some of it is what you like and some of it is you do have to be able to make clear decisions about color and I think the biggest the biggest thing that I find difficult and again this is a personal choice is when you can see people and they've got equal amounts of three or four different colors within a painting Mm. and you I like to have almost one color leading this is something that that I learned from you when I you did a video about this at one point I can't remember when it was but you talked about hero color and and I was like oh 
so that was another big realization for me this this idea that you could have uh, that you shouldn't have everything competing again because like I say I can get really carried away with colors and the way they work against each other but then so yes thank you for that I got that from you yeah because it, it can look it can look too evenly balanced if you have too many different colors you don't know which one's the boss you know and I think I think the reason is is because it looks like you haven't made a decision about it so your whole painting then feels like it doesn't really know what it wants to be whereas if you make a clear decision at any point, this is going to be a mainly light painting or a mainly dark painting, or this is going to be about the way that green can change from tiny flashes of bright light green to all the way through this lovely, muddy, my, my view, lovely, <laughs> lovely, muddy, mossy green into something really dark. You know, it's about the variety of green. You kind of want that to, to be there. You don't want it to be fighting out with too many other colors you don't want purple and red and green and everything else going on at the same time yeah and when it I mean I took that to extremes and that was that was you I had a we had a discussion about some of my paintings about a year ago and I had one I was working on that was had some red in it but also a lot of cream in it and you said is it a red painting or is it a cream painting you have to decide and I went away and I decided it was a red painting and that set me off on this whole thing of making these completely red paintings. But having, and I know I took that to extremes, but having decided that it was going to be red, then you can make all these other decisions. Like what is it? For example, my favorite one was finding the color for the lights that would most make the red look even redder, which, which I ended up being a very desaturated very light khaki color because the green is the complement to red but it was almost not green anymore um and it and I said to someone it's like the green is saying have you met my amazing friend red and it was just like you know it was introducing red and then letting red be the star but if it hadn't been that greeny color it wouldn't have looked as good but and then within that deciding right how many different textures and shades and things of red can I bring into an area of red so it's just not or here's some red and here's some khaki um and it brought having just that limited focus brought such clarity to what I was doing in that series of work that I keep thinking yeah I need to go back to not necessarily red but I need to keep pursuing that with other colors because it's a good limitation to put on yourself. Yeah, and I think the point is that once you've made a clear decision like that about a painting, which I, I don't do at the beginning, it lets you play with other things and you can kind of, it's a bit, it's a bit like walking a dog on a retractable lead. You know, <laughs> if, if you're walking a dog and you know that it could run off in any direction at any time, you're a bit panicky. Where's the dog? Where's the dog? Where's the dog? Where's it going to go? Whereas if you've got the dog, on your retractable lead, you can let the dog wander off. You can let her wander off over there. You can wander off behind you and you know that you can pull it back at any point. So if you've, if you've got to the point where you've decided, Hey, you know what? This painting is going to be about red. Then you can start, you can start to play in spaces and just build up with marks or color that doesn't really matter so much. You can introduce some oranges or blue or put some gray brown or whatever you want into it. And you just know that at any point, 
you can come back in with red and you're going to be pulling it back on that retractable lead and it's yeah. going to make sense. And what sometimes happens is you go off on another route. So your dog on your retractable lead <laughs> goes off a little bit further and finds a little path that you haven't discovered before. And you're like, okay, yeah. fine, we'll go down there instead. So it's not like it's a decision that you've got to stick with and stay with, but it does, I, I find it lets me um, explore. If I know that at some point in the process, that's going to be a decision that I'm going to be making about how I use colour. So apart from the quinacridones, because I remember discovering quinacridone burnt orange and thinking, oh, I could live with this for the rest <laughs> of my life. It's the most beautiful, beautiful colour. But it does make it does make gorgeous, gorgeous soft mixes. Um, but they are quite transparent, all of them. Yeah, which is, you know, for what I'm doing at the moment, I'm really working with transparent glazes and I've become really interested in that. Um, and I'm, that sounds... When I say that, it sounds very professional and, and it's not that at all. It's me dabbling and going, oh, yes, I like this and mm-hmm. dabbling some more. And so at the moment, because I'm not under pressure to produce anything for anything, I've been um, just working with sanding back, putting lots of paint on, sanding back, creating textures and then glazing over with thin layers of transparent colours. Um, and when I accidentally get something that's not transparent at the moment, I'm like, oh, that just glazed over. I've lost the texture under there. But then um, now I'm working on build it, bringing in opaques as a contrast to those. But it's that. So what I'm loving about the quinacridones at the moment is the brightness, the glow, and also the fact that they are transparent. So they wouldn't be good for lots of work, but they're just for what I want to do at the moment. And as you build them up, you start to be able to get dark areas, but with such depth to them. That's really, I find really interesting. You can almost see through that there's layers and layers of it. Oh, that's in my imagination anyway, what we're going to get. So I wonder if when we go through our paint order list, whether we would have the same colours on it or not. I, I doubt it very much. I, golden has a colour that I think is called green gold. Oh, I do like that if I have to use green. Okay. I do like green gold. So we might have that. What about we'd have burnt sienna? Would we yes. have burnt sienna? Because yes. I like that because it's transparent and it's good for mixing all sorts of greys and things. I quite like burnt umber as a colour. It's quite cool grey yeah, it kills things, but it looks re- it's re- it makes a really lovely colour when you mix it with blue. Does it? Mm. Oh, well, that's one for me to try. I, I'm, I'm not sure you'd like it, you see. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I, it's so personal. It is. It is. I think where we would use the same colours to mix would be in the cool areas of my paintings. When I'm trying to give a contrast to the brights, so I'm using greys and duller colours dull's not the right word but more less vibrant colours that's probably where we'd cross over Um, about yellow you don't use yellow that much no I don't at the moment but I think my paint order is probably very undisciplined I I don't I, I really don't have nor do I expect to ever have um a set group of colours that I'm always using forever. I think I'm very much like for a while I was thalo turquoise was 
in everything I was doing. Never used it. I love that colour. I got it by accident. I think I bought it by accident. Um, it's it's between phthalo blue and turquoise. It, it's a lovely deep blue colour, but a really warm blue. But it beautifully mixes with a little bit of black and a lot of white into a duck egg, uh, dulled down, beautiful blue. That's one of my favourites. But now, you see, I say that, but now it's gone off the boil because it's it wouldn't go with these vibrant colours that I'm using. It would be too much if you put that blue with these purple. got two vibrant colours. Yeah, it'd be like, okay, now you're just yeah. doing my head in, stop. So yeah. you, 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 what I love about the vibrant colours is they only work if you balance them. It's You can't just go... With something more muted. Yeah, you can't just go, oh, well, you can do whatever you want, but it, it doesn't really work as a painting to, for what I'm looking for unless I put something balanced in. And I would love to go towards a lot more of the neutral and only little pops of the vibrant colour. But that doesn't really feel like me. So when I do that, it's like, yeah, but that's not me. It's not quite ebullient enough. Yeah, and yet... (laughs) I'm not a, I'm not an ebullient person in my isn't this interesting about color I don't wear bright colors um I wear black and dark blue and gray and I, I I I'm quite quiet I don't I'm not the person who walks into a party and everybody you know is the center of attention I'm the one sitting in the corner quietly talking to one person but it's something in, in me is that because when I follow what I love and that's what I really want to say to anybody who isn't currently feeling that way about color follow what you love to use follow what makes you feel excited when you put it down and that's the right direction to go in but I don't know why we have you know why is that why are those my colors I have no idea they probably won't be forever will they no so since you've been painting with bright colours, have you not noticed any knock-on effect uh, with other colour that you're drawn to for other things? Have you not felt like, oh, I could be braver with what clothes I choose to wear? Or No, although I haven't bought any new clothes for so long because I cover them all with paint. <laughs> but uh, I was just thinking, you know, we've had a few rooms decorated and I choose your colours for decorating the house. I choose the really, yeah, really kind of yeah. barrow and barley greens, you know, the set, like subdued, but really beautiful, darker greens. But that's because they look, they look really good in large quantity and then you put something smaller and more poppy yeah. on it. So I choose that. So, no, I haven't had a, I, I haven't got a magenta bedroom yet or anything. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> never know. You never know. I need a teenager so that I need a teenage daughter so that I could do a vibrant bedroom. No, my teenage daughter, she's her request for colour when we decorated her room was I want to feel like I'm in a cloud. Oh. So it's the calmest, calmest blue grey that we could find. Right. Much cooler than I would go for, but she was very happy with it. Yeah. I, I would have gone for a warmer, browner grey. So have have you Ever since you really got serious about your painting, yeah. Do you think you've been in the same color area, or have you moved between different palettes? My, my 
hang up if I have one is I think I always use the same colors in my darks I think I'm quite good at doing lighter pops of more saturated so sometimes it's yellow sometimes it's turquoise I've done some which are pink but the dark that bluey gray that goes to black I tend to use that I can't think of one for example where my darks have been bottly green right maybe one from about three years ago and I think that's that's something that I could explore with a bit more having said that I never do purple I've been working on four purple paintings (laughs) (laughs) is that after saying that no it's it's not I'm going to come on to this actually in um what's inspired this week but um no it's not from that but I did I did I posted something on Instagram and someone said do I spy purple and I thought yeah you do so <laughs> and this is the thing and I that wasn't a deliberate choice I didn't think oh the other day I said I never use purple therefore I'm going to use purple in this yeah it came about and it just felt different and I thought okay this is fun I'll keep going with that so who knows, the darks within that, that series, I think, are more likely to be, there's more likely to be more deep, whiny red colours. I don't know what's going to come from that yet. But, yeah, colour mixing. I mean, the thing is, there is enough in colour mixing to keep you busy for the rest of your life. And that is either horrendously daunting or wonderfully liberating and I think you kind of have to decide that it's going to be wonderfully liberating and not try to pack every single colour under the spectrum into one painting you know let it be okay that the paintings are going to be different because I think there will be a unifier that ties them together. And also I think if you are in the situation that I'm in or you're like me and you tend to do a series of work and you tend to stick to the same palette for that series of work yeah that's okay too because I used to think just the same way I used to think everything I did wasn't the right way to do things just because I was doing it so that's not the way real artists do it I would think well a real artist would do a blue one and a red one and a green one and a yellow one not uh, be stuck on this blue one blue ones or whatever I was doing at the time and now I just think there's there's in a limited color palette, you could spend the rest of your life developing and exploring what could be done with just a few colors if you wanted to. Yeah, look at Mirandi. Yeah, so if you want to be, if you want to work with just a few colors, that's fine. If you find yourself making 10 paintings all in the same color palette and then shifting, that's fine. If you work with all different colors, that's fine. It's just that sense of, just follow it's fine as long as it feels good to you that's what you should be following yeah I was going to say I think I think it's about um if you find yourself getting frustrated with color so say you've got a color in mind in your head so if you find a color in your head and you can never might quite mix it the way you want that's when I think it's worth looking at the colors that you're mixing from because you'll you're never going to get a certain green if you're mixing with one type of yellow and another type of blue. So it may be that just adjusting the yellow that you're using is going to get you closer to the shade of green you want. And and that kind of thing is worth stepping back from a little bit and perhaps looking a bit towards certain colour theory. Um, 
the same was if, if you find that your colors are all becoming a little bit predictable and they're not exciting you anymore, then it's time to stretch out of it. If you feel that your colors are all over the place and you haven't made a decision, then you need to pull back and start to make a decision and perhaps give yourself some limits and a little bit of parameters. Because even within three paintings that have quite a limited color palette, you could still have So say you picked a range of colours and you went between grey, neutral, pink, dark blue. You could still have one painting where, you know, it was mainly light and neutral, one where the pink was the hero, one where it was dark with flashes of pink. And they would be very different paintings with very different feels. So it's not it's not always just about the colours that you're using. It's about the the ratio of them on the canvas and which one is becoming more important. So if it's starting to feel a little bit all over the place, then it's about making clearer decisions on it, I think. Yeah, and I would just add, before we finish for Jane, um, that buying, she's looking at which ones to buy uh, to get the best bang for her book. She's obviously in America. Uh, And so she's asking you know, which one should she get? But I think starting with just a few, as she had suggested here, is fine. And see what you can do with the few that you have, because you'll be able to, you had that lovely sketchbook with all the colors that you mixed out of just a few colors. You know, you would take a few colors and mix. And if you, if you buy, she's thinking about buying three primaries, black and white, yeah. Um, and just work with those for a while and see what you come up with out of those. And then, as you said, if you find oh, I'm not getting the green that I want, um, work out, is it you want warmer or you want cooler and add one color. And you can yeah. ju- you can just work out very slowly from that. There's no need to have a well, I was going to say there's no need to have a room full of colors, but I've got a room full <laughs> of colors. But there really is no need because most of them don't get touched. I've got about 80 open tubes of paint on my mixing desk at the moment. I kind of wish that I could simplify, but I, yeah. I don't because I also just find that sometimes if I just go, I, you know, I want blue and I just grab almost whichever blue comes to hand, it mixes something slightly different than I perhaps would have mixed if I'd come at it with full intention. And then when I come back with another blue, you've got such richness with the variety that you've got within that. So I don't want to limit myself too much, but I, I agree. I think, you know, you have your basics. You always need more white than you think. Mm. Always um, have the titanium white, but it is also worth having less of zinc white. Zinc white is, if you want to mix vivid colours and uh, keep their intensity, it's, it's better for mixing. The opacity is not so good but it mixes colours without going chalky. And it's definitely worth having a small tube of that and do a little test in the sketchbook and you'll see the difference it gives you. That's something you need to know about. The difference between carbon black and Mars black, I don't know the difference. I think one's probably a bit warmer than another, but I don't know. I don't bother that much about that at all. No, I have no idea. Sorry, (laughs) can't help on that one. And then, yeah, throw one new one in. The only thing that I would say on this little extra tip that I learned from the course that I did with Lewis Noble. So, yes, usually I do mix. But what he does when he's, this is more when he's out in the field uh, doing work directly onto paper, is he has tubes which have set colours in that he likes to work with. So he has He's definitely got cobalt, Payne's grey. Then he has a kind of green gold, um, burnt sienna. 
what else does he have? White. I think that's probably it. And he often mixes it, you know, draws on the paper directly with the tube itself. And obviously, if you've only got bright red, bright ultramar- ultramarine, bright cadmium yellow, that's going to look a bit like a kid's painting. So that is one area where I do sometimes choose colours that I think are going to be appropriate to where I'm going to be working or what I want to be doing if I'm doing work directly into sketchbooks. Because also acrylic out under the sun, you know, you don't... Right. You don't yeah, you don't want to take stay wet palettes with you when you're out and about. So there, there is a time and a place for ready mixed colours, but it's not going to teach you about colour mixing. So what has excited or inspired you this week? Look, painty hands. Yeah. Um, I was actually up painting this morning at half past seven in the morning. So I don't want to say uh, being without my dog at home has inspired me because I do miss her. But my goodness me, it feels like there's more time in the day. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) But I have got a, a project on the go. So I have got no more exhibitions. I have got nothing planned. Um, so I am in full on experiment mode and I have a whole set of large wood panels ready to go, but I'm also going back to painting on canvas. And this is in response to, uh, this, have I, have I told everybody about this gallery? You did the, the high end. Yeah top gallery that you were thinking about and then you weren't yeah. going to do it but you yeah. are doing it now oh well I don't know I haven't sh- I haven't told that I don't think they listen to this um <laughs> I haven't told them because I don't want to be beholden but I know that the one that they like is on canvas and is more landscapey and it feels a long time since I've worked like that so mm-hmm. I have decided that I am going to make 10 to 12 paintings quite quickly quite loosely perhaps with less thought involved and more intuition and more just going with the paint. I ordered a lot of paint. I've got a lot of paint at my disposal. And I tell you what, I am loving that stage where you get to the end and you really want to kind of get as much paint as you can because you almost want to get to the end and use that tube up. And then you've got so much paint on your palette, you don't know what to do with it. And it feels really good to paint with that amount of paint. And I've been using purple. So who'd have thought? (laughs) and I've been going back over some of them are old pieces that never really never really got anywhere I enjoyed the beginnings and I didn't really have anything that I wanted to finish them for and it's been really fun working over those and then I've been starting some new ones alongside so I've just been really enjoying working challenging myself really for a different way of working well, you look happy when you're talking about it, so that's good. People can't see your face, but you look happy. You've been looking a bit stressed out lately. It just feels it feels energetic and yeah, I don't know. I might look at them all next week and think, what the heck were you thinking <laughs> of? You know, they're just a big squidgy mess, but I a little bit less less thought and more just paint. And what I noticed, this is really interesting. One of these is one that I started about three years ago and it wasn't really an official commission, but it was for somebody who are friends of ours and we travel with and, you know, they, they wanted a painting. But I did it as I started CVP and 
as I went through CVP three years ago, I realized that this painting just didn't cut it anymore. There was right. no way I was going to give them this painting, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I thought I have got to go off and learn how I'm going to integrate these principles. And it is sat upstairs for three years. They're not waiting for it. I'm sure they've given up hope. Um, but I came back to it yesterday and literally painted for 20 minutes. And it's a, it's not a totally different painting. It's the same painting, just 400% better. <laughs> it's really, really interesting. So I yeah. didn't have a complete change around. I didn't gesso over it. I didn't, you know, have a total turnaround. I just thought, what is there in this painting that I like and what's missing? And then I brought in what, what was missing. And God, it was such fun. <laughs> Oh, well, that's much more inspiring than my inspiration, but I shall share mine anyway. So we went uh, up to uh, uh, Cumbria this weekend. We went to an artist open studios, but afterwards we took our dog on the beach. And if I say beach to people listening in South Africa or Australia or America, they'll be picturing just like a very different thing from what a a Northern English beach is. Um, A Northern English beach is even in June, it's freezing cold usually, <laughs> windy, um, nobody's on it. This is, this is not a seaside resort. It's, um, it's an estuary, uh, so it's not the actual sea. And um, oh, what a place. It was amazing. It was bleak and barren, and there was just us and our dog on this massive expanse of compacted hard sand um and in the distance was the lake district hills were all there looking stunning and it was i just got this amazing feeling of joy just being in this wind we had to have our hoods up and big coats on in june and we were trudging across this beach and getting busseted around and i was like wow i am so happy here and i was so happy there that um, my husband said to me, it's my birthday today, so please don't talk about moving house. <laughs> and I was like, can I just look on right move and just see if there's anything? <laughs> He's like, no, it's my birthday. So I'm, I, I may start to look soon. But what was so inspiring about it? Again, it just reminded me that for some reason that is my, that feeling is my joy that feeling of being out in a cold, bleak, windy, grey <laughs> place, which again is funny since my colours are so not bleak and cold and grey and windy, but, oh, it was just fantastic. And it buoyed me up for a couple of days when we got home. It's not that though, is it? It's the sense of doing battle with something. Is that what it is, do you think? Don't you think? Yeah, maybe it's that, like the, it's the power of that. Exactly. It's that kind of pull that, you know, it's not all laid out on a plate for you, like a pretty beach. Actually, I hate pretty beaches. I get all hot and sticky and like, yeah. I'm not that king yeah. of them at all. But um, yeah, I think it's that tug and the movement and. Yeah. And the space and the sense of, I think that's why because uh, I've mentioned loving Ted Hughes poetry and his poetry is all about that, or a lot of it is about that wildness of nature and how how close we are to just it taking over and, you know, our civilization really just being nothing. It's that feeling that that's slightly possible on that windy beach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
anyway I'll on the uh, edge watch out for me moving to Sandside in Cumbria sometime soon <laughs> yeah I was gonna say has he let you have a look since then well he doesn't know that I've been looking but I was like I haven't found anything so he's all right at the moment <laughs> is this is this going to be something that you think in the next five years might happen oh I don't know but it could be I just discovered that the further north I go the happier I get so maybe I need to go somewhere like Norway or somewhere and I'll be I'll be in paradise although I used to live in Canada and that was way too cold so I don't need to go quite that far but I think yes I think you never know you never know So I think that just about wraps up for us. Is there anything else from you, Alice? Only that. At the end of the month, I noticed that I hadn't um, posted on Instagram for ages. I'd done four posts all month. So, I know, and we I missed you. Well, but did you really? No, you we did. did. I yeah, did. I did you? I don't think people mm. noticed. Um, anyway, I posted something, and I genuinely wasn't fishing for compliments. I don't consider myself a teacher at all because I think I'm still learning stuff all the time. And like, why would I have anything to teach? But um, people kind of, there were some lovely comments to those of you who are doing, taking CVP. And I think this learning that we all have to do for new things, you know, I do it too. So recording the work that I did for the True Colours program, um, it's been really nice to see people signing up for that. So if you're interested in that, there's a link in my Instagram bio Or you can come to my website under the four artists bit. There is a link there. But what I really like about that is, is that this is an amazing membership and it's for people who, you know, they're not necessarily, um, you know, wanting to push their work in terms of making lots of sales. It's genuinely for people who just, they just want to do this thing of exploring and being given ideas and have different colors to follow and, you just want a little bit of group support while you're doing that. And it's been lovely to see people come into that. It's not my program. It's Kelly's program. Um, but I am going to be there this month chatting. So I think that goes live tomorrow. So by the time this goes out, those lessons will be live and you get access to all the previous guest artist lessons. So follow the link from my Instagram bio or from my website and have a look if you think that will float your boat. One last thing before we go, I just want to say a huge thank you. We both want to say a huge thank you to all you lovely people who have gone onto the coffee page and bought us coffees. We are so grateful. Thank you very much. And it's allowing us to have somebody else help us with the editing, uh, which is just huge. And who knows what it's allowing us to do in the future. Um, So thank you very much. And if you want to uh, join in with that, you can go to... uh, coffee.com which is ko-fi.com slash art juice and the rest is fairly straightforward that just about wraps everything up for us have a great week and we will see you again bye thank you bye bye that you're this week <laughs> oh, I I've, got, I've got some i've got something else this week but, oh, but okay um i don't want to talk too long so so uh blah, blah, blah.
You're very good. You see, I love how you inspire. Well, I say you inspire me to do these things. I haven't done any of that yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still at the stage where I'm bashing my head against walls doing it myself. (laughs) Oh, so. (laughs) 